boom, we're ready to go. What up? I got a lot to talk about with you today. <laughs> oh, shit. No, 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 no. Why are you surprised me? Like no, that? no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, because we're not like avid investors in anything, right? But if you're like me, which you are, we've been seeing this crypto craze. We had Xander on. And we watched this guy talk about going from zero to hero as far as money, right? Um, became a crypto millionaire. And like he came in the following week to hang out with us, showed us his things. Like, look, I lost like 1.6 million in the last three days. Yeah, that was crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. We're all in for sweat equity. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're capital gains in that. Right. <laughs> you know, and so I've been paying attention to all this stuff, you know, because I realize like I'm old now uh, and I should maybe start making Careful. some in, yeah, investments and whatnot. And then I saw on Todd Wurz, you remember Todd Wurz, who's coming in this week yes. uh, to do another special show. Um, he posted on his Instagram story a shot of his uh, his coin wallet, Bitcoin wallet balance, whatever, my Saint crypto coin right. wallet, Coinbase wallet, whatever. Uh, it said $550 million, which prompted a... Very fast DM from me to him saying, what the hell? Uh, you got to come in and talk about this. So he's going to come in. Uh, and so uh, through six degrees of separation, uh, our guest today uh, comes to us by way of Mr. David James, who, you've, who yes. you, you just met for the first time a month ago or so, yes. who's shooting the um, Bit About Crypto podcast. Let's give him a little plug. Yes. The, the Bit About Crypto podcast episode uh, one just premiered yesterday or two days ago. Whatever. I don't even know what day it is anymore, Geo. Tuesday. Tuesday. Thank you. Um, so we've got uh, a special guest today uh, coming to us via, via the magic of Travis's Zoom link. We've got uh, Joseph Gillette. Joe Gillette is with us. The Papa Bear, as uh, as as he so uh, is on display. What's up, Joe? I'm happy to be here. How are you guys? We're good, man. So, um, yeah. So, in a nutshell, over the last, well, obviously, crypto. We've seen crypto just explode, uh, and I've been seeing. I've got a lot of friends that made a lot of money and like literally lost a lot of money over the last like couple weeks, like half their money. Uh, as we record this right now, I think Bitcoin is at like thirty one or thirty six grand or something. Travis shaking his head, thirty two thousand, whatever. So um, you know, it was all the way up to I think sixty not too long ago. Um, and so when uh, when David James introduced me to you, Joe, I was like, you know what? Um, this would probably be a good conversation because you must not laugh. I mean, obviously, you never want to see people losing uh, money, whatever, and you may be in crypto yourself. But what you do, uh, I feel like, uh, is probably a little more of a safer play uh, than riding this crypto crazy roller coaster. Am I am I correct? Sort of. I yeah, I think so. I've always been uh, a little scared of crypto because. Uh, someone in financial business, we have to do due diligence on investments. And that means collecting all possible information about what you're investing in. And years ago in 2018, I took a deep dive into Bitcoin and you don't know who created it. Uh, so that right there is a, a big red flag. So you don't really know what you're investing in. We don't know who is Satoshi. We have theories, but uh, so I've always been cautious about crypto, but it's exciting. Like a guy who likes technology, I'm a computer geek by nature. I like crypto, but 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't invest uh, my money in, or a lot of it in something like Bitcoin where you don't really know what's going on. Um, so, uh, but I, I was a foreign exchange. I traded currencies for 20 years. So I know a lot about cryptocurrency because it is a currency. So I wrote a book, Splitting Bits about Bitcoin uh, three, four years ago. Um, so I, I, I'm excited about new tokens that are gonna do a better job than Bitcoin. Uh, so there's thousands of them. So Bitcoin's not the only cryptocurrency. So there's stable coins. It's it's an interesting market, but it's very risky, and uh, so anyone should be cautious about investing. Is it the equivalent of investing in like what they call penny stocks? Is is it kind of like that crypto, or are penny yeah. stocks even safer? Penny stocks are safer. <laughs> but in uh, most people in, in your world would would also say penny stocks are risky, though, right? Yeah, penny stocks are more risky because they're, generally speaking, this is just a a general statement. Usually bigger investments, uh, what we call blue chip stocks are more safe, but they're also going to give you uh, less return. So investors are always paid for taking risks. So the higher risk in any investment, you're going to possibly lose everything or get a big return. So that's the problem with Bitcoin. Some people made a lot of money, uh, but a lot of people lost a lot. Uh, so you're taking a big risk, and penny stocks are in that high risk category. What, what is, what's chiming in the background over there? What, you're a popular man. What is that? <laughs> is that your uh, your email or something? You get eighty emails yeah, a minute. It's my, uh, I had a computer, <laughs> a hard drive die. So oh. Um, okay. And then, so let me ask you this. And then what, then there's, there's so many levels to this stuff. It gets confusing. And then, so I, I, so you have, your company is level X capital and you specialize in pre IPO. Did I read? I don't even know what that is. Explain that to, to, to us layman's Joe Gio. Do you know what pre IPO? Um, isn't that some sort of a enhancer, uh, Muscle enhancer. <laughs> That's EPO. <laughs> yeah, That's okay. uh, yeah. Lance Armstrong got busted <laughs> for EPO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Pre-IPO is uh, the asset class uh, before companies go public. So we know what is an IPO, and we can use the example of Coinbase because it's a the largest cryptocurrency exchange by volume just went public. Uh, so <clears throat> IPOs have been delayed. It used to be a company would get uh, go public as soon as they have a billion dollar valuation. Uh, now they're delaying that. So uh, Coinbase went public recently. And so we uh, have a business where investors will invest years before the IPO because they think there's more value there. So it's for accredited investors and it's considered very high risk. So it's only for accredited investors, but um, that's what the market is. And it's popular because of Facebook and some of the bigger IPOs have done really well. And obviously not all of them do well. There was WeWork, which was a, uh, a turkey, we call it. Uh, but um, Kraken is uh, available. So before companies go public, they, um, they will... Uh, list themselves on our level X platform and investors will invest in them. So that's, that's what is pre IPO. 
Okay, so so that's that's a good example, like you just used. So if we rolled back the clock six, twelve, nine, or whatever, you know, prior to the Facebook IPO, you guys could have gotten Facebook cheaper than the, I guess when they first went public, price of forty dollars a share. Basically, is that what that means? What does that that's, mean? <laughs> that's what that means. Uh, Facebook is uh, an example where you would have had to hold it for about ten years to get a discount. Okay. When you buy it right before the IPO, meaning months prior, it's pretty much the same price as the IPO usually. Got it. Because they already it's already it's already on the docket, so to speak, to go public. Right. Exactly. Got it. So you guys offer opportunities to invest in companies. They they haven't really said they're going public, but the uh, the the assumption is they will be going public. Correct. And then and then what happens if they never go public? Uh Companies don't have to go public for their share price to go up. So you can hold a company for many years. SpaceX will probably never go public. And then you're just an owner of a, of a private company. So um, many people are familiar with public markets, but not so many are familiar with private markets. Um, Bechtel is a huge private company. They build bridges and highways, and they've been private for 100 years or however long it is. So a lot of companies are private, and so a company doesn't have to go public. Uh, so if if they never go public, you just own a great company. Got it. So I, IPO is not necessarily the only exit, or they may get bought by an Amazon or a Google. Um, Postmates uh, is this delivery service. It's a DoorDash competitor. They were bought by Uber. So that's another possibility. You invest in a company, and then they get bought out by a, a big fish. Wow. And you guys have a team that kind of investigates all the movements in the market, public and private, and kind of forecasts basically what's happening next? Yes, we have a team. Uh, we are a broker dealer. Uh, we don't make any forecasts or recommendations. So we always tell investors they have to do their own homework or contact their financial advisor. Uh, what we provide is access to the pre-IPO markets. And for smaller investors that have 100,000 or, or, or more, we work with a, uh, a fund called DT Unicorn Fund, and they've done all the uh, work for you. Because when you buy a private company, there's a lot of steps, there's a lot of paperwork. The company has to approve you as an investor. So we work with some funds that have done all this work for you that you just make the investment in the, in the name and so there's thousands of companies that are in our system, but really there's only maybe 50 or 100 that are very popular, names like SpaceX, Kraken, things like that. Uh, but investors always make their own uh, choice and so we don't make any recommendations and, uh, and it is risky. So it's only for accredited investors, uh, but there's 20 million accredited investors in America. So it's, it's a lot of people that could invest in these companies. Did you catch that part how he said the smaller one is only a it's only a hundred grand. Did you catch that part? I, I, did. You know? I did. <laughs> if we could combine and get, um, you know, 1% of one of those people that are putting up the hundred right. K is what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe, so how'd you get into all this? Like what, what's your background? I was, 
interested in, I was a computer guy when I was a kid. I love computers and my dad got me into the stock market. I was traded stocks when I was a kid and I started day trading in the nineties and it was really easy to make money because you could throw darts at a board. It was the dot-com boom and that blew up. And so I found Forex and I love Forex. I traded currencies for 20 years and I did that and loved it, made a lot of money. Uh, the 2010, around 2010, 2012, there were regulations that ended Forex in the United States, uh, regulation and rule changes. So I wanted to open a bank because Forex is a little bit of an uh, unfair market. Uh, many markets are unfair, but uh, this is particularly unfair. So I wanted to open a bank and continue. And uh, I, that's how I discovered pre-IPO. So I got uh, licenses and uh, started um, exploring this pre-IPO market. And I realized that it's really complicated and difficult. Uh, and that's where there's opportunity. If something's really easy, then there's no opportunity. There's tons of competitors. And it's a funny thing because when I was trying to raise money for my Forex strategies, when I talk about Forex, people would look at me like I have a disease. And now that I'm doing pre-IPO, people will thank me because it's not easy to get access to these companies. Uh, if you call any of these companies and say, I'd like to invest, they'll mostly tell you, no, nothing is available. Right. Um, so that's how I kind of got into this. Uh, and it's similar to currency trading. It's an over-the-counter market, meaning there's no exchange where you can buy private companies. But most of the participants in this market are huge companies, uh, big venture capital firms or large institutions. Uh, but what I love about it is all the companies are very disruptive. So just like Uber changed the way that the taxi business operates and Airbnb changed the hotel business. There's just so many cool companies that are doing very disruptive uh, things that it's, it's an exciting market to participate in. And down the road, I'd like to get more involved in uh, startups and uh, venture capital, but that's my story. And, and uh, I'm a trader by vocation and occupation. You so mentioned you mentioned Forex, and I immediately think of spam emails that I get or messages I get on Instagram. Do you get those? Like, I, you don't get those? I get Forex? these. Yes. You remember how, like, last year there, there was a period of like maybe two months where I was constantly like uh, reposting messages I was getting, and it would be from people that would be like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, hey, hello, friend. Uh, are you interested in making, you know, yeah, yeah, guaranteed $10,000 in three days? But those guys are like scammers in the Forex world. I don't even know what Forex Can you explain what Forex is? We're layman's over here, Joe. Forex is uh, the exchange of uh, one currency for another. And oh. so the rate changes between euros and dollars. So if you're trading, now crypto trading is popular, but at in uh, 20 years ago, uh, it's just a market that you trade. So I was doing margin trading. So you can buy and sell and it's speculation, just like you would trade stocks or crypto or anything else. Um, it's just a, an unfair market, but all Forex is is the changes between the US dollar and the Euro or the yen and the Swiss franc, and uh, it's a it's a money market, so it's a big market. Uh, New York Poker King 
is always posting. Do you follow him on on uh, Instagram? Mm-hmm. He's been posting almost daily, multiple times all day on his story for about the last month. Um, on these writing these calls, or is is that um, I forgot what you had just called it. Um, the the uh, margin, the margin, yeah, margin calls. I guess right. Is that what, and he's made like I want to say he's made about a million bucks in the last month. This guy that I follow on Instagram on AMC. He's he's uh, he's like all in on this AMC write, um, writing margin calls or something. Right. So what they're doing is options on stocks. So okay. now the stocks have become popular again with the the meme stocks, AMC, GME, GameStop. Uh, I with Level X we have a. Uh, half of our business i'm i'm the director of private markets and so i focus on pre-ipo but we also have an app that has become really popular because of this uh trend in buying gamestop uh that's just self-directed stock trading and it's trading is very difficult so it's not passive investing it's it's definitely possible to make money but it's also possible to lose so it's something like anything else you have to dedicate time to it and some people do well. Uh, it's it's just not something you can do and do something else. Like a lot of people will try to have a job or do something else and then trade in their spare time. And that usually doesn't work. You've got to sit and treat it like a profession. And um, But anybody can do it. It's definitely interesting. Uh, you can make a trading plan and, and do it. But the game, the, the meme stocks have really gone up a lot. Uh, it's it's interesting to follow. I haven't done anything in it, but uh. yeah, th- this guy I'm talking about, <clears throat> he um, he's he's up at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. I see his post. He's on the East Coast, so I go to bed, you know, one two o'clock. So I see his like early morning morning posts, and he's got like this whole elaborate setup on New York Poker King. You know, he's got this whole elaborate setup with different screens and stuff, and. And, uh, you know, he's always talking about like Tesla, AMC and GameStop, like you just basically what you just mentioned. Um, and I want to say like yesterday, he lost like $300,000, like before 7am yesterday, but then it came back. Um, it seems like so stressful and he's a gambler. So is it, is that, it's basically, uh, that's what the intrigue there is, right. It, for the gambler mentality for that one. Yeah, it's, it's super stressful. And if you're a gambler and you like that rush of winning and losing, it gives you this uh, <laughs> adrenaline and it's like a habit, like any other. Uh, and it, it's, it's not, I mean, it's similar to gambling from a psychological perspective, but it's, it's a regulated market. So you have a lot better odds trading stocks than you do at the casino. Right. Um, and you're investing in companies that AMC is a company that makes theaters and these companies do things with the capital that you're providing. So you're doing a service as well. Uh, So it's always not so fair to compare uh, investing to gambling, but people get addicted to trading uh, just like any other market, crypto or stocks or uh, Forex. Uh, But it's, yeah, it is, it is like that. It's, there's a lot of volatility and you can make a lot and lose a lot. I have a, question papa bear can you tell us another story like a a real world story like i'm still kind of because i always thought what you do and and stocks and that kind of stuff ipos was was all gambling but um 
can you give us a story about like one of your big successes, like what your company does? What it, like what are the wins that you guys do? An example. Well, now we're a broker, so uh, we're providing access to these companies. Uh, so it's going to take five to ten years for some of these stories to grow and become um, the next Facebook and Amazon companies. So uh, this is now in the early phases. So we'll have to revisit that question in, in a few years. Uh, but what we're doing is providing access to accredited investors to these markets. So um, it's it's not a type of thing that you can, like with the gambling comparison and, and, and trading, um, we haven't had someone who uh, that I could really use like an example, uh, but because these are people who invest in pre-IPO are more of the Warren Buffett mentality, which is you buy companies that are great companies and you just sit, you just invest in it and, and you forget about it. So there's kind of two kinds of people. There's investors and traders. Investors, you invest and you forget about it. And in five or 10 years, hopefully you'll have a good return. Traders are checking their phones and computers every five minutes, uh, waiting for that next trade to happen. So um, most of the people I deal with, with pre-IPO are investors. They have a longer time horizon. Got it. Um, but the out of all the companies that uh, we deal with the unicorns, so the unicorns have already established themselves like uh, credible companies, uh, or at least they've achieved a lot of success because a unicorn means they're worth a billion dollars or more. So they probably already have a good customer base. They have a good following. They've, uh, they're not startups because 99% of startups will fail, but the 1% that succeed, they're going to be the next, uh, Amazon and Google. And all these companies, Amazon, Google, Facebook came from, uh, this private equity, venture capital world. They were started as, as, or Apple computer, if you want, started by some kids in a garage. Right. Amazon I mean, too. Amazon, We've all seen all that. We've all seen that photo, right. Of Bezos in his, I want to say in his garage, uh, with like a, like a banner that said amazon.com behind him. Uh, whenever that was, you know, 90 something, right. Um, it's crazy to think what that turned into from the garage. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned if people called any of those companies and you said, hey, I want to invest, they would say there's nothing. So how do you guys, how are you able to make that happen? We uh, build relationships. We're a broker dealer. So uh, that's what I've been doing last three years. It's been really hard work and it's networking, relationship building. We're a regulated broker dealer. Uh, so we have credibility. So we've built this system that um, we can access the cap tables of companies. The cap table is the ownership table. So every company keeps a record of all shareholders. That's the cap table. So uh, we've built that system and, uh, and, and it works great. So it's, it's hard work to set up, but uh, using it is pretty easy. It's, it's like a machine. So uh it's not something you can just ask your friend who works there uh, kind of thing. 
Right. So um, an example I would I would think it applies is, do you, are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? I was going to say that. Were you? Too, yeah. No. Okay, so Gary Vaynerchuk is like this uh, genius marketer. He was an early investor in Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, passed on Uber uh, the first three or four times, even though it was one of his best friends uh, that founded Uber, Travis, I can't remember his last name. Um, but uh, Gary bought... Uh, either Zuckerberg's parents or grandparents um, shares. So that's basically pre-IPO. That's basically like what you guys offer, right? Yeah. Yeah, we get, uh, we access these companies uh, by friends and family of the founders or founders or employees have stock options. So it's either insiders. Right. Uh, typically the early investors don't sell. So uh, if a venture capital firm invests millions of dollars in the seed company, they may sell, but probably not for a very long time. So we, we uh, that's a great example of someone right. who I might want to be in touch with. Yeah. So like, so Gary, uh, he owns uh, Vayner Media. He lives in New York. Um but uh, so that makes sense. You know, he bought either it was Zuckerberg's parents or grandparents. So they probably, you know, he probably gave them shares in Facebook and, you know, they're a little higher in age, whatever. And they were like, well, shit, we don't want to wait until who knows when, uh, you know, these shares, we could sell them. So you just they moved them that way, you know. But like you said, that's only happened because Gary knew Mark Zuckerberg. It wasn't like he right. cold called uh Facebook offices or anything. So you guys have tons of relationships with those types of companies. Um, and so you, you mentioned only you only de- you only deal with these unicorn companies. So every company that you have access to has they're all worth a billion plus. Uh, with with one or two exceptions, we're working on launching a crowdfunding platform. But everything I've been doing has been uh, totally unsolicited, meaning uh, we don't do any advertising. People find us. So uh, the unicorns are what's in demand. People hear Uber. Uber was very popular. That was just about when I started doing this uh, a couple of years ago because everyone identifies with it. So now Impossible Foods is really popular uh, because now they're in Starbucks and Walmart. And um, so when companies get brand identification in the real world, then people will start to find uh, us. And so they all pretty much are all unicorns with with maybe a couple exceptions uh, because that's what people want. And we're not really in the business of telling people what they should or shouldn't want. Uh, we're just going to try and get give them what they want. Got it. And what is the, I heard you say accredited investor. So what is the criteria that you need to meet in order to be one of considered one of those? $200,000 a year for the last three years or in income or 300,000 with your spouse or a million dollars in net worth, excluding your primary residence or a business can qualify if it has a million dollars in net worth or a fund if it has 5 million. So there's a number of ways to qualify, but income or net worth is is the easiest. Uh, they've relaxed the rules now. Also, knowledgeable employees, people who have financial licenses or accredited, 
but it's all a financial, you don't have to pass a test. It's a, a financial uh, qualification. And uh, we get a yes or no if someone is accredited or not. That's the one rule that's very strict about this market. Investors have to be accredited. A seller does not have to be. If you're an employee, you can sell your shares, uh, but any purchase would require that they are accredited. Got it. Okay. And and it's so crazy to me. So I was wondering, you mentioned SpaceX and you said that you don't do any advertising, but can you talk about the relationships you have or is that how that's how someone engages in you as far as your company? Like, can you talk about, are you, do you have a relationship with SpaceX? Do you have yeah. Elon Musk on speed dials when he's asking <laughs> you? That's what he's asking you. <laughs> exactly. SpaceX is a unique company. I know I have reached out to, and I have relationships with almost all or a great majority of the SpaceX owners, except Elon and Kimball Musk. They're just totally inaccessible. Uh, but we have two kinds of relationships. We have relationships with the companies directly, because what's interesting about this business, when you buy shares in a private company, only the company itself can process the transaction. So all the companies we transact and we always have a relationship with the company because they will actually transfer the shares to the new uh, investor. The second type of relationship is with the sellers. So the sellers are two different, it's two different people. The, the seller is just an owner. So whoever owns shares can be a seller and then the company processes it. So Elon Musk could be potentially a SpaceX seller, but he's probably one of those guys that'll just never sell uh, because he has no reason to. Um, but people have needs for money and people sell for different reasons. People don't always sell because they think that the company is going to perform poorly. They may want to buy a house or a boat, or maybe they want to invest in something else. So we always keep a good relationship with the people who are the owners of these companies. And uh, it's, it's not public information, but it's also not private. It's just hard to find. These people make it very difficult to contact them. And we always have creative ways to, I mean, how do you call Elon Musk? Well, I can tell you. Well, you know, he's friends with Joe Rogan. So you just need to call the office and just say, hey, it's Joe for Elon. And you might get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, it's Joe. It's Joe calling for Elon. That's called the head hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so does, so in a case like SpaceX, so does, does Elon have to approve the sale if an employee has shares or? The company always has to approve it. Got it. And, and they do and in these cases because of your relationship or it's just kind of the norm that they would, they just approve those things. They can every company has the right of first refusal of any transaction. So uh, when you want to buy shares, when there's a transaction that's about to happen, we first have to notice the company. And then the company has 30 days to approve or decline the transaction, and they may decline it. Uh, it's a private business, so there's no equal opportunity rules as far as they have a discretionary right to say no just because they want to. 
Right. So it does happen. Sometimes the transaction will be blocked, uh, but they always, the company has to approve it and they also have to process it. So this is where there's a job for me to work on this because it's not so easy like buying AMC stock. You just press a button and, and you own it. So there's some moving parts. It's not complicated, but you have to sign things, deal with the company. And um, so we've tried to make it simple, but yeah, the company has to approve all transactions and nine times out of 10, they do, but um, you always have to go through that process. It seems like a great opportunity, right? Because it seems like, don't you wish you could have, I mean, you didn't know back then, we didn't know, but like if we could have got in on Amazon or you could have got in on Facebook or Pinterest or any of those companies, if you knew someone that knew someone. It's like, it's what you do. It's like your your Rolodex is your access and getting to the people you know and getting to the people that you know is what you guys do. And it's, right. it's that's, I've always marveled that about you, about how you you can access these different people and that's a, a value. It's right. definitely a value. It's a cool thing. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> access. Yeah. Access. It's all about the access. Yeah, it is. Wow. And so do you invest in all these companies yourself? At the moment, no. I don't have uh, millions of dollars in spare cash, but I, I hope to someday. <laughs> Got it. Got it. It's, and, and it's so, a big ticket game. So, uh, yeah, I, I will. But it's there's a very high barrier to entry. And can you talk about the mechanics on your end? Like you said, you're a broker. So if someone puts in like a million bucks in SpaceX, you guys are taking a little piece. Is that basically how you guys make the money? You get it from both sides or something like that? Or how does it work for yeah. you guys? Yeah, we're a broker only, so we don't invest and I don't invest in the companies directly. We're matching buyers and sellers and we charge a, a commission. Like a real estate broker or a real estate agent, basically. Yeah, like any right. asset, we just match, make, and take a small commission. And uh, some of the funds we work with that are selling shares in companies, they may charge other kinds of fees, but we just get the commission and we're just matching buyers and sellers. So the sellers are mostly the same names because they repeat, uh, but the buyer could be an individual. It could be a, a hedge fund. It could be a private equity company. It could be a, a business or anybody who's accredited, mm -hmm. uh, but the buyers can be pretty different. Oh, so that's interesting. So the sellers are, let's just use SpaceX because it's it's just the name that you threw out or, or Kraken or whatever. Um, so there'll be, is it like there's a handful of people at those companies that they're like, hey, we have, you know, I'm making it up, 5 million shares in, in SpaceX and I want to sell 3 million of them. Is, that's basically what's happening between four people or three people over there at, at a company? Yeah. Okay. Now I get it. I get it. Hmm. Interesting. You got your checkbook on you? <laughs> so, <laughs> so... You say you don't advertise, but if um, someone wants to understand your access, does your website kind of give you that? Or do they call you up directly and then you throw out the little bones for them to, to hopefully grab onto? Well, <laughs> that's, uh, I would use different Turn. words to describe it. Okay. But, um, 
we do have a website and we have two parts to the website, trading and pre-IPO. And pre-IPO, you can sign up, fill out a form and then see a list of the deals that are inside. Uh, so it is, I mean, we're not hiding anything. It's just, we're not also making, uh, we're not reaching out to people. They reach out to us, but we do have the website and Soon we're going to be launching a system that's going to have more granular data, such as valuation data about companies. Because the one thing that's unique about private investing that I should mention is when you invest in stocks like a public company, they provide detailed reports on how much money the company is making, uh, everything down to the last penny. They will, they must by law disclose all those material facts to you. Whereas with private companies, you get nothing. You just are investing on a on a hunch or because you like Kraken or Impossible Foods. Uh, there's no information provided. So uh, you just get the terms of the deal and uh, that's it. So that's why it's for accredited investors. But uh, on the website, we have this portal where... Uh, accredited investors can sign up, fill out the accredited investor questionnaire and log in and see a list of deals. So, uh, but it's, it's very limited information. It's, that's why I said, we don't provide recommendations. If someone wants to buy Kraken, let's say we can provide access to it. But if they ask us, do you think if Kraken is worth 20 billion uh, or 10 billion, I, I, I really don't know. We don't have the resources to do that because it's, it's a tricky thing. How do you value any business? How do you value uh, a company? It's a very laborious accounting process, and that's really beyond the scope of what a broker does. So, uh, but they definitely can log on and see what's available and transact. So, if someone says to you, "Hey, um, do you think it's better for me to put some money into Kraken or Impossible Foods?" You basically can't even answer the question. Right. Well, I wouldn't know how to. I mean, it, it's beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So some people love Kraken. They swear by it. And others, uh, for example, if you're, there's a company I can mention that I like better the, than Impossible Foods, but not for investing, just as a company, it's called uh, Eat Just. They make uh, an egg, artificial egg, but it's based on organic non-GMO ingredients. And when I'm researching these companies, I will usually get the product if it's possible to. And I ate this stuff and it's so tasty, but it's, it's mung bean. It's a, it's a bean that they grow and, but it's like eggs. It's called just, and you can get it in any supermarket and it's a great company. Uh, a lot of the investors in this company are vegetarians or fitness. Uh, these guys that are just obsessed with what they put into their bodies. They'll only put the organic, uh, non-GMO, high quality foods. So they just are, it's a, it's a dogma with many investors. So it's, it's kind of a difficult question to answer. It's kind of like asking me, well, what religion is better? Well, how am I supposed to, how can anyone answer that? You know, right. um, there are funds that specialize in recommendations and they will provide reports and analysis to their investors. So there are groups out there that do that kind of thing, but, um, I'm just a broker, so uh, we just provide a list of what's available and uh, investors can make their own decisions. And, and that's not usually a problem because most, most investors really know what they want. It might be a sector, 
Some investors only like to invest in technology. Some investors like, uh, I have one investor that only likes car technology. They're making these self-driving cars and different uh, automation technology for cars. So sometimes investors will have a sector that they like or FinTech is really popular. Uh, so it's, it's usually, most of our investors really know what they want. Interesting. I'm in. <laughs> uh, and have you had any like famous people or celebrities reach out to you uh, to, to make these investments? Or do they do they they might be able to just go direct to some of these companies, right? Because they might even have the relationship. They can call uh, Elon, the Joe Rogans of the world. Elon probably wouldn't be a seller, but I, I have had a couple uh, notable people, one NBA basketball player, uh, a couple, I don't know if you call them celebrities, but high profile individuals. Okay. Mostly from the business world. Uh, Ashton Kutcher is really big into this. He actually has made a whole business out of uh, pre IPO investing with his partner. Uh, so there are some notable celebrities. And Impossible Foods has Jay Z and a number of really high profile celebrities that are owners. And I think they do that for marketing purposes they want their brand to be out there right um, and so it's it's not common but it's not uncommon some companies it depends on the company too um, something that's more media related like Triller might be more prone to having celebrities involved speaking of which uh, off topic did you watch the Floyd Mayweather uh, Logan Paul fight the other night or were you busy uh looking at all the numbers of these companies and stuff like that. I was working. I didn't watch it. I, I, I was just following all the people following it. <laughs> hmm. What do you do when you're not uh, working? What's your, how do you unwind? What does Papa Bear do when he's unwinding? I'm with baby bear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it looks like, you're, it looks like you're in a kid's room right now. What's behind you? It looks like, uh, handmade little posters or cards or something. What's going on? Where are you? I'm, I'm in my office. These are all the things that my four-year-old has made in school. And we moved to Charlotte and he's in Goddard school and he's made all these things. So I put it up there. So that's what I do on the weekends. Last weekend, we went to Carowinds, which is like magic mountain, like the local amusement park. So that's what I'm doing. And uh, we travel sometimes and go to the gym do stuff like a family. It's just, it's our only child. So we're, we're really close. And that's, that's been my life outside of work for the last uh, almost 10 years. Wow. So how long have you been in North Carolina? Or I've been in the Carolinas for uh, 15 years. I've been in North Carolina for two years or okay. yeah, just under two years. And be before that, New York? I was born in Los Angeles and grew up in South Florida. So I grew up on both coasts. So I was bi-coastal. So I, uh, I chose the Carolinas. Uh, most of our business is in New York, but uh, better quality of life here. So I like it in the South. It's more laid back. And when's the last time you were in California? Were you in LA? Yeah, I grew up in LA. My dad had uh, Numeruno Pizza. What? My dad founded Numeruno Pizza. Stop it. Numero Uno. Dude, wow. I can't even tell you how many times I've wow. been in Numero Uno. We, we both were. I'm born and raised in L.A., and he grew up there as yeah. well. Yeah. So 
Your dad founded Numero Uno Pizza? Yeah, in 1969. That is epic. Is it still around? I don't even know. Is it still around? Yeah, there's about eight stores left. It was a franchise. So in 1985 or six, I think was the peak. There were 200 plus stores and it scaled back a lot, but there's still a few, a few left. I think, uh, uh, Lawndale, Palmdale there's, there's yeah, like eight locations left, but I grew up, uh, I've built restaurants. We drove all around. I, I used to have my Thomas guide and I would help navigate him. <laughs> so I know LA really well. I mean, I, Thomas I, guy. I, Travis, our engineer, has no clue what the Thomas guide is. Travis, um, <laughs> imagine, can you put a camera on you or no? I don't have the camera. Okay. Uh, imagine a time where you couldn't just pipe, type something into your phone and, and have Siri tell you how to get there. You did, what? You would buy this book, this map book. book, and it would be like, it was like a char- like G. Right. <laughs> it was like playing bingo or battleship. It was so ridiculous. You'd have this Thomas guide. It never worked for people like me. I had to go into like a 7-Eleven and like, how do I get to, uh, <laughs> yeah, awful. Thank God. And now I don't have to speak to people. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Wow, that's crazy. Numero Uno Pizza. Your father founded that. That's unbelievable. That's so, it's so LA. So funny. I can't even tell you how many times I've had Numero right? Uno. My right? dad used to love Numero Uno. Tony Orlando was a huge Numero Uno pizza fan. That's a true story. Absolutely. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love it too. It's, it's, uh, I wish that we could expand it outside of California. It's, uh, but it, pizza is not popular now. It's unhealthy and people don't like pizza like they used to. Really? Speak for yourself. <laughs> this guy's a I'm big fan. Throwing down a pie a week. Almost every Saturday, I'm good for six slices. Yeah. Shout out to IDK Pizza. You know? What are you going to do? Crazy. Well, yeah. uh, do you, so do you miss LA at all? No. No. It's awful now. When's the last time you drove through LA? It's insane. I visited with my wife for the first time uh, with some relatives, and I have a lot of friends and partners in San Diego and LA. And we uh, spent a few days driving around. And <laughs> one time it took us four hours to drive from Hollywood to Irvine. Yeah, I believe it. And we ended up getting off the freeway and going through Long Beach. And <laughs> it's just LA is crazy. That's why I live here. It, you know, it's, it's cool, but you know, visiting is nice. Yeah. So are you a sports fan? Are you a Panther fan? Or are you Rams? Who, who do you have a football team? Not so much. I, I, I like to play basketball. I love to play basketball and, and fitness. I don't so much watch sports cause I, I play use computers and watch the markets all week. So when I'm not working, I do something outdoors or fitness or <clears throat> swimming or something, something outside of, uh, an office. Are you a crossfitter? Are you one of those people? What is that? Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, these yeah. crazy people that are located right next to us here at the uh, studio. They're super, no, the, we, the fittest people in the world. Yeah, so no, I'm not a fitness nut. We, we just like going hiking and okay. we go to mountains and walking and uh, something we can do with the family. And we like to go to the gym together and work out. And I, you guys have motivated me to go more often. I feel like <laughs> I like it. I need to. Well, yeah, Geo normally hosts Fitness Junkies. We have, you should check out that podcast. He's the host of Fitness Junkies. Uh, what episode are you on now? 11, 12. Wow. Yeah. 
plugging away. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe, this is really cool. Thank you for this. So, so if people are watching or listening right now, uh, mm-hmm. and they want to invest in, co- give me rattle off five, five big companies. I know you said SpaceX. You said Kraken. Kraken is like Coinbase, right? Yeah. And then, uh, impo- could they still invest in Impossible Foods? Is that possible? <laughs> it's pretty much impossible. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And SpaceX is pretty much impossible as well. But um, Kraken, uh, Eat Just, Automation Anywhere, uh, Druva, Rubrik, which are tech companies, uh, and and many others. But uh, that's that's a few. There's maybe about 50 companies that are interesting, and if anyone is interested, I can send them a, a list, but they would have to be accredited. But there's always new companies. So as companies go public, then there's always something else uh, coming down the line. Yep. Okay, so they just go to levelx.com, and all the information's there that they need? Yeah, and click on pre-IPO. All right, there you have it. Very good. I like it. Yeah, I'm in. Maybe Todd Words. Maybe we connect Todd Words, the $550 million crypto man, to, to Joe, Joe Gillette. Yes. To the, yes. Nice. Yes. Kind of the broker before the broker. Right. Yeah. What yeah. will you get out of it? I like it. Nothing. A high you get five. nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> no. Well, all right, Papa Bear. Listen, this was really fun. Um, when's the last time you're in Vegas? Not for a very long time. Maybe Come on. 15 years. How many? 15 years. I I had a business partner there that lived in Henderson that I visited. Zach uh, Harrison. 15 years. Joe, you got to get out more, buddy. Come on. It's different. Yeah. Vegas has changed. There's traffic now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen, if you ever uh, come out to Vegas, will you come in studio and we'll do this again? It's, it's better when, uh, you know, you're here and we can we can grill you. <laughs> Absolutely. I look forward to it. All right. Cool, man. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. And uh, there you go. I, uh, I don't have any money to invest. You got anything? No. No? Not We're going to work on that. Yeah, right? Maybe Xander. Get Xander. I like Xander. Yeah. You've got rich friends. Feinberg. Yeah. Get that Brad Feinberg to get Dan Reynolds. Let's get in this game. Let's go. Provide some access? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're not providing. Right. <laughs> Be a provider. Uh, okay. Real, real, real quick, uh, before we sign off, because um, there's just a couple minutes, I just want to go over a couple things. Um, the Lakers are out. Does this upset you? Uh, no. Uh, I. LeBron got hurt. Okay. Even though you're calling it a fake. He got Please. rolled up on. Whatever. And... Anthony Davis is, they call him Mr. Glass. He's always hurt. So next year they'll, they'll be solid again? LeBron just did a tweet like saying, y'all think I'm done. Look out. Really? I'll be back. Yep. So he's coming back with a vengeance. Okay. Like were people t- saying he might retire? No, that just he's done. He's, he's still young though, he's, right? How old is LeBron now? 37. Is he really? God, yeah. where does the time go? That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> uh, and your Raiders, uh, are you excited for the new season? Fans, are you going to go to a game? I'm excited. I hope we go to a game. We're we going to a game. We to have that? access. We have we have that man that signed that helmet on our squad. Yes. Mr. Yes. Marcus Allen. Hall of Famer. Yes. Yes. Um, definitely excited about the stadium and, and getting over there. Okay. And uh, you've been keeping up with my Dodgers? 
I, we suck. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't suck, but the your third, third, third place, place Giants yeah. somehow. They're my Dodgers, too. They're your Dodgers. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. The cream I, always I rises. actually brought your our Dodgers home wearing the particular Dodger gear yeah. outfit during the series. I'm proud of you. Just it's brought good. it home. I'm proud of you. <laughs> All right. Speaking of bringing it home, uh, Travis is going to bring it home right now, and we'll see you guys next week. It's over. Show's over. All right. I'm done. Goodbye. Let's eat.